the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my palatial office in San Jose, California. Just kidding about that. I have a very ordinary office, and but it's very, very comfortable. And I find that I did a, get a lot of good work done out of here. If you want to call me today with any questions to go live on the air, ask me questions on the air. It's 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. You could also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Uh, if you send me to anything to that email right now, I will be monitoring that, and I can certainly respond uh, on the air to any questions you might ask there. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving yesterday. It's, uh, it was pretty low-key for me and my family. We pretty much just kind of hang out, and then we go out for Thanksgiving dinner at Maggiano's. <clears throat> at free plug for Maggiano's at Santana Row. Always love the food there, and uh, just a good time for the family. Couldn't believe saw a bunch of people signing up <clears throat> for Black Friday sale at the Best Buy there. Uh, we got there about 1.30, and there was already about 20 people in line. By the time we left, about three hours later, there was probably 100 people in line. Um, we do Black Friday shopping in our house, too, but we do it online. Uh, because, uh, quite frankly, we don't like the big crowds and we don't want to be trampled. And uh, plus, it's kind of a rainy day here in the South Bay Area, and it seems like a good day to uh, spend at home. Now, uh, for many, many months now, I've been bringing you here in my my uh, Plan Your State radio audience a bunch of information about situations that have arisen around the country not the country, around the state of California, although they probably do happen in other parts of the country. And I want to share some more of those here today. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, here's, uh, here's a question that came out of Northern California. It said that um, my father's mom had a revocable trust which left my father with property but then, uh, but then my father put my stepmother's name on the property with him, and now my stepfather has passed away. Who gets the property and my dad's personal belongings? Now, this seems kind of 
interesting here. Both both parents have passed away. It looks like um, the father passed away, then the stepmother passed away. And the real issue is if the step if the father passed away first, then in the absence of planning, it would mean that his interest in property, whether it's real property or personal property, would likely pass some to his wife, the stepmother, and some to his children. But it's not clear if the father actually put the stepmother's name on the property as joint tenants or as community property or as community property with right of survivorship. If it was any one of those three, then the house that um, that was inherited by the father would actually pass to the stepmother. And then when the stepmother passes away, it would go to whoever her heirs were under the law, kind of as a general rule, which would mean to her own children or possibly to her family. Not a good situation all the way around there, if I'm reading this question correctly, because it sounds like the father didn't do very good planning to make sure that the property left to him ended up going to his own children, unless that's what his plan was. And I do find that sometimes people uh, do want to actually do that. <clears throat> they want to leave a property to a new spouse, and that is something that they end up doing. Now here, uh, what happens if someone passes away and I'm the one to inherit their house um, and the house still has a loan on it? Um, what happens? Do I do I have to take it with the loan? Do I have to refinance the house to inherit? Well, the short answer is if it has a loan on the house, you would receive the house subject to the loan on the house, which means that you could either assume the loan if the lender permitted that, or you might ultimately have to refinance the loan if the lender wanted to call in the loan because the original borrower is no longer on the title. Okay, my parents made a trust. They left one house to me and another house to both my other brothers. Who's in charge? Mom's in a nursing home with Alzheimer's and dad has passed away. My two sisters would made the trustees of the trust. They collect all the rent from both houses and keep it for themselves. They say they're in charge even though mom's still alive. They've been keeping monies for five years and recently got power of attorney over my mom. Do, I, do they have the right to keep all the money the first five years? Well, if mom's still alive and the children are trustees, they don't have the right to keep any of mom's money at all while mom's still alive. The money's supposed to go to take care of mom. If the two sisters as trustees are taking the money from the properties and putting it in their own pockets, that's in direct violation of the terms of the trust and likely also direct violation of trust law. In a case like that, the short answer is no, your sisters don't have the right to keep the money from mom's rental properties or renting out mom's properties. They're entitled to pay themselves reasonable trustees fees to handle things for mom, but they can't just pocket the rent money because they are, quote, in charge. Now here, 
My sister stole approximately $300,000 of a $400,000 trust that she had my mother dissolve two years prior to her death. Since then, using a power of attorney, she's purchased a condo valued at three hundred and spent the other hundred thousand, showing my mother's estate to be zero. Shouldn't the trust still have remained a trust in my mother's name? And why was my sister able to purchase the condo in her name using a power of attorney? What I'm hearing here is assuming the mother is older, I think what we're probably talking about is that uh, this may very well be an elder financial abuse situation if the sister actually took that property and converted it to her own use by purchasing a condo for herself. This is not an uncommon situation, and uh, this person should seriously consider maybe going and talking with Adult Protective Services about this uh, to see if... Uh, something can be done to uh, compel the sister to return funds or at least have her removed from any position of authority over um, over the mother. Now, we're coming up on the first break, uh, which should be uh, in about a minute or so. Um, if my engineer could maybe uh, boost the gain a bit on his um, talking to me, I can hear it a little more clearly and make sure I don't run over into the commercial break. Um, we have about a minute to go, so I want to let you know again, my number is 800-516-1220 or radio at lawbob.com. want to let you know in December, my seminars will be going as well, my Living Trust Seminar and my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. You can find out details at lawbob.com or visit eventbrite.com and search for Living Trust Seminar and uh, or search for Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. Now, we're coming up on the first break of the show today, and I hope you stay tuned for more Plan Your Estate Radio. I'll be back after the break. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was sharing some of the uh, questions and comments from around the state of California that uh, I see coming into my email all the time. Uh, Some of these I actually answer directly when they come in. Other ones I save Uh, to talk with on the show here. Um, Here's a situation um, out of a, well, out of a town in California. I couldn't tell you exactly where it's at. I don't recognize the town name. But the person is uh, raising an excellent point about uh, children and about uh, guardianship of children. Here, this person says, I need brain surgery and as with any surgery, there's risk and complications seen and unseen before and after surgery. Um, I'm not currently married to the man who's been financially providing and taking care of my daughter as his own. I want her to remain with him in the event I die. My dad has told me he would fight if I wasn't married, and thus it's important to me before I go under the knife so they may have peace of mind that my daughter will be where and with whom I want to raise her if I do not make it. 
I have to know it's a legally binding document and that my wish that my dad, who has verbally refused to respect my wishes, cannot remove my daughter from her home and my significant other because he won't have a leg to stand on. Here's the situation. As a parent, we can do what's called a nomination of guardian. A nomination of guardian is a legal document where, in writing, you indicate your preference for who you wish to be the guardian of your child. Now, first of all, I would point out that if, in this case, if the child's other parent is still alive and has not had their rights as a parent removed by a court or canceled by a court, then if something happens to this person, that child's other parent is the first one with the right to be the guardian and to take custody of the child because that person is, in fact, the parent. The uh, grandparent, the dad, um, he would have a right uh, generally to have custody of his granddaughter uh, in the absence of something to the contrary. The something to the contrary would be this person doing a nomination of guardian and expressing specifically in there that she wishes to have the man with whom she cohabitates be the one to actually raise and care for her daughter. The bottom line is this. She can do a nomination of guardians. She can indicate that she wants her daughter to be raised by the man that she lives with, who it sounds like is being like a father to her daughter. She could also indicate in there that she does not want her father to be the guardian and maybe even put reasons why uh, she doesn't want her father. But the bottom line will be this. It's up to the judge to decide who will be the guardian of the child. I can tell you that if her daughter is uh, over 12 years of age, the older she is and the closer she is to age 18, the more her personal wishes are likely to be considered by the court as to where she wants to live. If she considers this man to be like her dad because he's taking care of her and he's raising her, and that comes out in court, then the court may very well award custody to this man who is not related because you can name people who are not related to you to be guardians for your children. The bottom line is it's the judge that appoints. We as parents can only nominate or name those people we want to serve as guardians but we don't have the ultimate decision-making. That's up to a court. So in this case, though, this person needs to do a nomination of guardian, needs to name the person she wants, maybe even needs to say who she doesn't want, and then if something happens, worst case, and she passes away because of the surgery, at least she's done everything she could do possible to make sure that the person she has named to be the guardian could be appointed by for that purpose. Now, here's someone uh, from the Central Valley. Said, uh, Grandpa passed away in 2015. He left me and my brother his house. I've been on drugs and haven't put any money into the house. I've shown no interest in the house at all. My brother's the one who's paid the mortgage payment since 2015. My brother's also the co-trustee on Grandpa's trust. Recently, 
the deed was put into my brother's name only. On what grounds could this be done, and, and, and is it legal to do this? Well, if the brother's the co-trustee on the estate, or then it sounds like the brother may have just transferred the property to himself because the, the brother on drugs um, hasn't been helping out or making payments or anything. But I will tell you, there's no grounds to do that. Um, there are at least no legal grounds to just take away the half of the brother that has a drug problem from him. Um, if the, the brother who is the trustee did this on his own, he's actually basically embezzled from his brother or stolen from his brother, to put a, a stronger word on it, and he could be held liable for that. So um, much as um, I, I don't agree with someone uh, receiving property and doing nothing to help with the maintenance of the property or paying the, the payments, the recourse for the other brother was not to transfer the property to himself, but was to maybe just sell the property and turn around and take his half of the proceeds and go his way and give the other half to his brother. Um, and then his brother is on his own with his drug problem. Um, so that's kind of the the, uh, the short answer to that. He really can't do that. Now here, my parents had an AB trust. Mom died and dad is in need for his care. They own a retail property, which I want to refinance, and then have the B trust loan money to the A trust using a note. Is that okay? Trustees' powers seem to say yes. Well, if the B trust or the bypass trust is set up to take care of dad for his lifetime, then, um, yeah, it it would be possible to refinance that property and then uh, loan the money to dad's A trust, his survivor's trust, in order to provide for his care. Um, that would be a pretty typical thing that could be done. As long, The problem is going to be how do you get the loan on the B trust if it's an irrevocable trust unless it has income that it's generating. Well, we're coming up on the mid-show break uh, in about a minute or so. If you want to call, it's 800-516-1220 or radio at lawbob.com. Uh, I'm here for another half hour on the show today. Then I'll be heading home to my family for uh, for the rest of the weekend. Sometimes I work on Saturdays, but not this Saturday. So uh, when I come back after the break, we'll continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your State Radio, and I hope to talk to you after the break. In the meantime, remember, it's 800 516 1220 or radio at lawbob.com. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Uh, welcome back. We're in the third segment of the show today. I hope you found it interesting so far. Please feel free to call me at 800-516-1220 if you want to ask a question on the air. Uh, or you can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. I will be checking that throughout the show. If you have a question you'd like to have answered on the air, 
You can just send them to me straight to that email address, radio at lawbob.com. Now, here, here's a question that kind of came out of Southern California, and um, it raises a, an issue that I think um, I think has has a um, a lot of relevance between um, uh, actually in families here. Um, here is um, a situation: an, an aunt died, and um, this person sold the aunt's home, and the aunt also had pay on death accounts that were left to the person. Uh, Now the attorney that prepared everything has moved and is not active anymore. And somehow the attorney has himself listed a relative in in the aunt's will, which is kind of weird. It looks like aunt's will, aunt's trust. Um, Because they had the same last name. So what it, it just seems very, very weird that the attorney has ended up being put into the trust just because the attorney has the same last name. It sounds a lot like it was uh, an error in the drafting that maybe um, the attorney's name was put in instead of another relative's name. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a situation where the attorney was put in, but I have seen a number of situations over the years people uh, bringing to me where I look at their trust and we start going through it and I then I ask them, so uh, who's John Smith? And they go, John Smith? I don't know any John Smith. And I say, well, John Smith's getting half of your property when you die. And then we realize that that the attorney had taken somebody else's trust document and did what they thought was a search and replace to make it a trust document from some new client, but actually they left old information in the trust document that uh, now the new client has in their trust document. It's amazing how frequently I've seen this over the years, probably at least three or four times in, in the last five years, where there's actually people named in somebody's trust document that are not relatives of the persons whose trust it is. And that is clearly a typographical error. Clearly was done because of careless drafting by whoever prepared it for them. I'm sure there's been some times where people have taken a trust that some other family member prepared and then they modified it for themselves instead of going to an attorney to prepare it and then they sign it. And it has things in it that don't apply to them at all. Maybe even beneficiaries that don't apply at all who are now the beneficiaries of their estate plan because they copied, cut, and pasted. This is one of the reasons why I, I suggest to people, first of all, don't do this on your own. Estate planning is a specialty in the law, and it's so easy to make a mistake when you're actually doing estate planning. It can be a simple mistake that could have serious financial and maybe even emotional consequences for a family. And don't just go to any old attorney that sells trusts. A lot of attorneys that sell trusts, while they may be fine people, 
are not necessarily skilled at all in doing estate planning, and they may actually be, in effect, prescribing you an estate plan that's not appropriate for the estate planning illness that your family has. I'm using a medical analogy because I think it's very, very, uh, a very apt analogy. General practitioner doctors don't try to treat a lot of medical conditions, even if they know about them, even if they studied it a bit in, in medical school, even if they were at a hospital as an intern and saw it a few times. If it's not really what they specialize in, they're not going to try and treat something except in a case of extreme emergency where there's literally no specialist doctor that can help. In the legal profession, it's the specialists in estate planning that are actually trained and have done the serious study to to actually know what the issues are, diagnose them, and prescribe the right estate planning for the diagnosis of the estate planning situation for a family. So, like I said, I see things like this all the time. It's it's amazing. I see a lot of trust prepared by non-estate planning attorneys that sometimes are completely wrong for the family or have things in there that the family should not have in there or don't need at all, but they're just shoved in there because that's the form that the attorney was using. So I urge you, if you're going to get estate planning done, get it done correctly. Get it done by an expert. Get it done by someone who's board certified in estate planning, such as I am, uh, because you're going to have a much, much greater chance of having a good estate plan that's exactly what your family needs, as opposed to something they don't need or want and that might even be financially damaging to the family because it's calling for things to be done that shouldn't be done and those things cost money and time and effort. So here, um, let's see, uh, that one's probably a little bit too long to cover here. Ah, here we go. We misplaced the trust on the house owned by my deceased mother-in-law. How can we get a copy? We need a copy of the trust on the property owned by my mother-in-law who passed away recently. Well, it's a simple question, but there's a lot of ways to unpack the answer to that simple question. First of all, I would start by looking into the public records to see if there is a deed on the house that put the house into the mother-in-law's trust. If there is, look in the upper left-hand corner and see if there's information about an attorney or a document preparation service or something that actually prepared that deed. That would be your first clue. For example, on the deeds I prepare, I always put my return information in the upper left-hand corner of those deeds because I want those deeds coming back to my office so I can make sure they've been recorded properly. Then I make copies of them, scan them, put them into my system to store them, and then I forward the deeds on to my clients. Um, So many times attorneys who prepare deeds will put their contact information in the upper left-hand corner like I do. So that's a place to start. Second thing is, if there were bank accounts or brokerage accounts, go to the banks or the brokerage and see if they happen to have 
a copy of the trust document. A long time ago, they used to always insist on a complete copy of the trust document. They might very well have a copy in their records. Third thing, if you can at least come up with a copy of a certification of trust um, or some kind of proof the trust exists, the third alternative is it's possible for a family to go to court under the probate code, probate code section 15403 and section 17200, and petition the court to replace the lost trust. Technically, what you're doing is asking the court to modify the trust by replacing it completely with a new trust. So if the family has an idea of what the mother-in-law's trust said about the property and everyone who would be an heir of that person all agrees, they can put together whatever trust they want and go to court and have that approved by a court as being now the lost trust now, quote, revived or located with a whole new trust document. Some counties, it's extremely hard to get this done. I will tell you in Santa Clara County, as long as everybody agrees, it's very straightforward to get it done. Uh, For people in San Mateo County, they can do it as well. And I'll tell you that if you're in a county other than those counties here in the Bay Area, Uh, You could always contact me to help out, like if you're in Alameda or San Francisco County or out in the Central Valley, if you're hearing out there and you have a situation like this, call me at 408-247-0444 and we can talk about how I could handle that for you in San Mateo County, um, even though you're not there and the trust isn't there and even the mother-in-law didn't live there. Um, It is possible to be done. It's something that I can do through my office, and uh, I could certainly help out if you're in a situation like that. Now, we're coming up um, pretty soon here on the third break of the show. And I, again, if you want to talk, you can call me at 800-516-1220. I, I uh, sometimes would be having a seminar this weekend, but not this weekend. It's going to be a couple more weeks to eighth when I have my next seminars. But you can always go to my website to find out more information or go to Eventbrite and search for the Living Trust Seminar or the Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to finish up today's show with some more questions and comments. I hope you have heard something so far that's been of interest to you or of interest to someone that you know. Uh, Again, Uh, Just as a reminder, this show is rebroadcast Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. and Saturday afternoons at 3 p.m. here on KDOW 1220 a.m. So if you missed the first part of the show, you can listen tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, or you can let other other people know about it as well. Talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. This is the last segment of our show today. It's the shortest segment, so I want you to fasten your seat belts, put your trays in the upright and locked position, and we'll be ready to take off for the last part of the show. This is what I call rounding the far turn 
and heading for the finish line. So let's see here. Um, okay, so here um, we have someone. Dad put his house into a trust in uh, 2007 where he was the trustee. He named my brother as the successor of the trust upon his death. In 2011, my dad decided he wanted to give the house to me. So as the trustee of his own trust, he quit claimed the title to me out of the trust into my name. 2017, he was diagnosed with cancer and then passed later in 2017. Now I want to sell the house, but the title company doesn't want to take my quit claim as a free title and told me I need to give them a copy of the trust so they can insure the title to the buyer. The title search came back completely clear except for the trust, and they want a copy of it before closing. Since my brother was named as a successor to the trust, the company that made the trust for him won't give me any information on it, even though Dad quit claimed it from his trust to me years before his passing. Does my brother have any claim on it regarding my selling of the property? Uh, what are my options here as both the buyer and myself would like to close this as soon as possible? Well, first of all, my thinking would be, <laughs> go to first of all, go to a different title company and see if another title company would have the same requirement. Uh, I mean, the, the, the point is a quit claim by its very nature, gives all the right title and interest that somebody has in the property to whoever they're uh, quit-claiming to. In this case, the father quit-claimed to the son. That should be sufficient to pass the title to the son without having to to dig up the trust, uh, unless what they're saying is they need proof that the father had the right to transfer the property out of his own trust. Um, I think the the first thing I'd start with is saying, you know, hey, uh, when the father died, then you, if you were one of the heirs of your father, you'd be entitled to a copy of the trust anyway under California law. So if, um, ask the brother first and say, look, I need a copy of Dad's trust. Um, you know, you're supposed to give it to me as a successor when he died back in 2017. And if the brother refuses to give a copy, uh, now you've got the situation where, unfortunately, you might have to take your brother to court and compel him to turn over a copy. It shouldn't come to that, but I'd start first with the brother and say, look, give me a copy of the trust. I'm entitled to it because I'm one of the heirs and under the law. Uh, under the probate code, I'm entitled to a copy. So that's what I would likely do. So here, okay, here we got one here. Mom created a living trust. Later, she recorded an amendment to the trust that named me as the successor trustee of a piece of property. She has since passed away. I have an unofficial copy of the amendment to the living trust, but I can't locate the original living trust that was amended, not even a copy. Can I use the amendment to the trust to put the property in my name? Okay, let's unpack this. Um, it sounds like what 
what the person's saying is mom created a trust. Later, she recorded an amendment that named me to receive a piece of property. Uh, mom died. I have an unofficial copy of the amendment. Now, I don't know what the person means by that. Do they mean it's not the original, but it's a photocopy, a, a photocopy of the signed amendment? Uh, they say that she recorded amendment. That implies that the amendment was recorded with the county recorder's office, but I don't think that's what the person meant. Um, if there is a copy of the amendment and it's a copy of the signed amendment, um, that could very well be enough to get the property transferred out to this person entitled to receive it. But not being able to locate the original living trust is kind of an issue. We've talked about missing trust so far uh, on the show today and some of the ways you might be able to figure out who actually uh, may have a copy of the trust. But this is a very common problem. This is one of the reasons I in my practice have the following practice. Number one, I don't hold on to the original estate planning documents of my clients because I could die, retire, move away, and I don't want to have someone's original documents. Second thing, I advise people, take your originals, put them in a safe or a safe deposit box, and make sure your family knows where those things are, where the safe deposit box key is, for example. And I always keep photocopies of everything that I scan as PDFs. But the bottom line is losing a trust is a very common occurrence, and it's something that can be easily prevented by taking some care. Well, I'm wrapping up for today, 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 wrapping up the show today, and I hope you've learned some things today. Um, you can always contact me, radio at lawbob.com. Give me a call at 408-247-0444. Be happy to talk with you, answer questions for you. And uh, I'll be back on the air next week. So uh, until next Friday, this is attorney Bob Bergman signing off for the day. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.